Welcome to Not Enough Champagne, a podcast that believes importing our economic policy from the 1980s Reagan administration is a disgrace. Uh, you may notice that the dulcet tones of Corey isn't delivering this introduction, which of course means that Corey isn't available this week and you're left with me, Steve, heading up things. But once again, stepping ably into the breach is good friend of the show, Dr. Luke John Davis. How are you doing, LJ? I'm good, Steve. I'm good. How are you? Uh, well... Given my original plans for our discussion today went out the window this afternoon when I looked into the uh, the mini budget that was happening. So, listeners, what we were originally going to discuss was uh, we were going to delve into the tidbits of information that the government had been letting slip out during the official period of mourning after the death of Queen Elizabeth II. But as I said, this afternoon, I threw all that out the window because the government has decided basically to launch what is probably the single biggest economic experiment in the last half a century, at least, maybe even longer than that, depending on how you want to classify things. The so-called mini quote unquote budget today was, well, let's just say there's a reason I highlighted Reagan's economic policies at the start of the episode, and we'll just get into it after this jointy theme song. Luke, excellent news. Britannia has been unchained. Back in 2012, the likes of Liz Truss and Quasi Quarteng wrote a book called Britannia Unchained, um, which caused some interesting political headlines at the time, largely due to the fact that it accused the British people of being the worst idlers in the, in the world. Um, it accused Britain of having a bloated state, high taxes and excessive regulation. Um, and it said that the UK should stop indulging in irrelevant debates about sharing the pie between manufacturing and services, the North and the South, women and men. Uh, I think it's safe to say Britannia has indeed been unchained in the sense of this is now the guiding thought process behind British government policy. <laughs> Don't you think? <laughs> I'm surprised you can say there's a thought process. Um, yeah, I think the... <sighs> Well, first of all, let's, let's get the, the, the mini budget bit out of the way. So um, I suspect the reason this is not a formal budget is it gives Kwarteng an excuse not to release the kind of independent analysis um, done by people like the OBR um, that, you know, ordinarily goes with a budget um, because, you know, that kind of analysis would probably tear it apart. Um, you know, we, we have a situation where, uh, we've seen both the FTSE 100 and the pound plummet. I mean, the pound is now a new low for the last nearly 40 years um, against the dollar, and it's also dropped against the euro um, on the back of these announcements because of the, the way that it's structured is essentially a massive borrowing campaign to cut taxes to the very well off. So... You know, the, the lowest who don't earn above the national insurance threshold will get absolutely nothing out of this budget. The ones who are sort of next up in terms of your, your low paid, but not quite that low, your sort of care workers and so on, 
well, for every pound that it saves them, it gives the wealthiest 10% £60. But because it's all borrowed, us £1 lot are going to have to pay back that money that the bankers are getting at some point. And I think partly because of the fact that there isn't, you know, an OBR assessment and all the, the usual sort of detail that you would have around this, coupled with the, the huge sums of money they've pledged to borrow for the energy cap, I think the markets seem to be very, very nervous actually about the level of borrowing. And you're also even starting to see some, some blue on blue attacks as, as the sort of more fiscally responsible type conservative MPs are, are sort of going, whoa, hang on a minute, you know, we're, we're a conservative government, we're not supposed to be borrowing at this kind of irresponsible scale. So I, I think it is, you know, the, they've said their objective is to, to go for broke, to go for growth, and they're just going to ignore 40 years worth of history in how they're going about it. Yeah, and I think that's the the, the the kind of interesting thing here. It's like Quarteng has basically said growth at all costs is what we need to be aiming for. It's not just about how do we tax and what do we spend on. We need to grow the economy. But the issue you've got here is that they have effectively uh, just brought Reaganomics out of the 1980s over from, over from America and just dumped it into the middle of 21st century Great Britain, which is absolutely ridiculous like you you you've mentioned then just now that the well-off get more out of the proposed um, policies um, that have been announced than people on the other end of the spectrum those who are poorer and effectively the reason for this is because Quateng and trust believe in trickle-down economics which is just um like it's been proven time and time again that it doesn't actually function and it doesn't work and it definitely doesn't work when you're also combining it with massive levels of borrowing to fund it in some ways we can be at least thankful that they've not decided to announce a a new swinging uh, amount of cuts to go with it but I suspect that's only because uh, because they've not quite had time to think things through properly. And I suspect at some point in the next year or so, they will announce uh, without a doubt that they'll oh, no, we'll need to kind of like cut back spending in some areas to fund all of this. But for the time being, they're willing to let the entirety of the uh, British economy tank that just that little bit, just that little bit so that they can demonstrate their conservative, quote unquote, credentials. But as you say, is this conservative? Like an awful lot of conservatives are going to be sat there gritting their teeth at the notion of such vast, unfunded tax cuts, which are just going to cause excessive amounts of borrowing for what is likely, to be honest, to be not that much growth compared to what we would have got otherwise. No, and I think one of the other things that's sort of ludicrous about this, I mean, firstly, we've got one of the lowest rates of corporation tax in the G7 as it stands, and yet some of the lowest investment. You know, I think we are 28th out of the 31 OECD countries in terms of business investment, despite having such low taxes already. So the notion that low taxes are going to automatically lead to business investment is, is nonsense. You know, I, I think you, what you need in terms of business investment actually is strong investment in the systems of, of this country. You have a government and a sort of state infrastructure that is on the point of collapse and in a very uncertain economic situation, not only with situations uh, with the cost of living crisis, uh, with energy costs, which are, you know, at the moment, there's still not very much detail on how the 
proposed help for businesses is going to work. And those energy costs are not sort of likely to come down any time in the near future, even if the government is footing part of the bill. You know, that's still borrowing that needs to be paid back. I mean, yeah, I mean... uh... I think there's a, a a lot of truth to everything you're saying there, but I think we can kind of like dance around the big the big picture quite a lot, and we'll we will kind of come back to kind of like the wider impacts of this. But I think it's probably a, a good idea for us to just kind of go through some of the actual policies um, that have been announced, just because it gets you like the full notion of what exactly it is that the government is trying to achieve here. So I've kind of broken things up into a couple of different uh, areas, but the, the, the big one and the, the, the main one that they're keen to make their, their, their core focus is tax cuts. So today, Quasi Kwarteng announced that the 45% additional rate income tax ban for those earning over 150 grand a year is going to be scrapped entirely. Um, the Chancellor is bringing forward a cut in the basic rate of income tax from 20% to 19% um, to April next year, 2023. And also the 1.25% point a national insurance rise introduced earlier this war this year is going to be cancelled from the 6th of November. So they are going to try and spin the national insurance rise being removed and the cut to basic rate income taxes as this is a these are economic policies for the working person in modern Great Britain. I mean what's really interesting is they haven't they haven't tried to make that claim both Kwasi Kwarteng today and Liz Truss a couple of days ago when this was sort of first leaked to the media were, were basically going out into the media and saying, no, it's absolutely fair that the rich benefit from all of this. It's absolutely fair. They've got this notion that very rich deserve all of the money because they, they've done something spectacular to get it. And, you know, we have one of the most rentier capital economies uh, in the in the developed world, you know, so much of our of our wealthy elite got the money by extracting wealth that already exists. And these tax cuts from an already low tax base for the wealthy are not going to drive that investment. But they're not even trying to pretend, really, that they're going to make a massive difference in the lives of the worst off. You know, all they're saying is that it will produce growth and that that will somehow magically fix everything and this kind of rising tide lifts all boats idea but you know when when asked about you know how do people live that the response is well they need to get a better paying job and it's like well if they all get a better paying job who's going to take the bins out each week where are we going to get our care workers it's genuinely staggering that there are still people that politically and economically and historically illiterate to believe this stuff you know we've got 40 years of trying this and it's failed time and time and time again yeah i mean this this was a point i was going to make a bit um later on um when we were kind of looking at like the the reception to um this trust's focus on trickle down economics and like the overall reception to the uh the the mini budget today but you know a few days ago joe biden president of the united states tweeted out because we still live in the modern age and Twitter is still newsworthy uh, as much as it pains me. Uh, he tweeted out, I am sick and tired of trickle down economics. It has never worked. 
We're building an economy from the bottom up and middle out. Obviously, that last bit talking about what his plans uh, are for America. But he made this statement basically a day or so after having a load of meetings with Liz Truss and I believe Liz Truss giving a speech, which basically tried to encourage the rest of the world to do more trickle-down economics. <laughs> isn't actually accepted. I mean, I suspect Biden's tweet has got more to do with the US midterms than, a, than taking a side swipe at this trust. But, you know, it's a very interesting piece of timing, if nothing else. I think it seems to be almost a 35% strategy because they're clearly trying to put some clear blue water between themselves and Johnson and trying to shift the perception of continuity Johnson that trust had. They're also seeing this as bluntly their only chance to get this so sort of Singapore on Thames utopianistic idea they have into reality. And the big state nationalism of Johnson is well and truly dead. And with it, the levelling up agenda and the 2019 Conservative voting coalition. Don't sort of see the, the people of Stoke-on-Trent or Birmingham Northfield or, you know, West Bromwich East really buying into this notion that what we really need to do is borrow massive amounts of money to give to investment banks. Yeah, I mean that's so. If we just kind of move on uh, slightly to one of the other propo- one of the other proposals um, that's being brought forward, Quasi Quarteng has confirmed that the banker's bonus cap is going to be scrapped, so that we can, and I quote, reaffirm the UK status as a leading financial centre. Bankers' bonuses, uh, obviously a very uh, controversial thing from back in the day. And their, their attitude is to go, no, no, it's absolutely fair. We need to uh, open up their earning potential uh, again. Under the guise of, you know, we're, we're trying to do more for the, for, for the financial sector, but it's such a bad policy from the political standpoint, even if you ignore the fact that it's, it's it, like the economics of it, like from a politics standpoint and the optics, this is one of the worst things that they could be doing. And yet, like they're just diving headfirst into it. And in fact, they seem to be reveling in, in, in the unpopularity to a degree, because um, Liz Truss, I think over the weekend, was talking about, I'm prepared to be unpopular. I mean, it's red meat to the base in a lot of ways. And I mean, by the way, the, the, the cap was, you can't have a bonus of more than double your salary. And these are people on million pound plus salary. That was what was kind of trailed in advance. And you're just thinking, it seems it seems like political suicide. Like I genuinely don't understand the logic of this. The only thing I can kind of genuinely think of as the reasoning behind what they're doing is throw all of the unpopular stuff out very early on, get it on the statute books, and by the time of the election people will have forgotten about it or we'll be able to see a certain amount of growth happening and that will allow us to to make a case that it was successful. That's the only thing I could think of as they're doing. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of focusing on the political side because I'm not by any means an economist. But I think genuinely that the way they've done it is going to have turned so many people against them from day one. I don't see how they win them back. And I think the strategy they've got for growth, GDP growth does not Actually, you know, no, nobody sits in the voting booth and goes, well, you know, my wages have stagnated. I'm struggling to pay my bills. I'm terrified of the economic situation for me personally. But a bunch of bankers are making millions and millions of pounds more, which means that GDP is, you know, ticked up by 1%. And therefore, I'm going to vote for the incumbent government. It's ludicrous. I was just, I remember having a conversation with one MP, and I won't say who it was, over the summer about, you know, who would be better for the Labour Party to see as the Conservative leader, Sunak or Truss. 
and and someone else in the conversation going, well, this trust would sort of make it much more likely that we'll win. And the MP turned around and said, yes, but we want to take over a country that's actually functioning. I'm quite baffled that the political choices they're, they're making. I mean, you know, I can normally understand the logic, even if I strongly disagree with it. But with this, it's just, I, I genuinely do not understand, just do not comprehend how politically and economically illiterate Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng are proving themselves to be. Yeah, and I, I think your your kind of point you just made about, you know, people standing into the ballot box and kind of going, oh, I'm not feeling particularly better off, but these bankers um, seem to be doing well for GDP. That is kind of quite a core thing, because um, fundamentally, a lot of people vote by whether or not they, they feel they're going to be better off under a new or current administration. And yeah. Based on polling today, which I think was YouGov, might have been somebody else, but it's normally YouGov that gets these things out quite quickly. Uh, only 19% of people polled feel like they'll be better off because of this mini budget, which is pretty accurate as a uh, as a as a general uh, assessment. The other thing that that in terms of sort of the, the sort of optics and things in the economics is, um, you know, the other thing that they've announced was the NHS statement that Therese Coffey made yesterday. And now, first of all. Any hope of a boost they got from that has already gone because it's been massively overshadowed straight away. Secondly, there was there was a couple of things that are sensible that the industry, been, you know, health policy people have been calling for, like dealing with pensions issues so that doctors towards the end of their career are not effectively paying to come to work if they take on extra shifts. But five hundred million pounds is being taken out of NHS budgets to put into social care to try and help with discharge. Now, discharge is a huge issue. You can't get patients that are fit at the back door you can't bring them in from the ambulances in the front but you know slashing half a billion quid out of nhs budgets now with the state of inflation the way it is with the nhs on its knees with the backlog with one in eight people waiting for treatment and this government is cutting money from the nhs again in terms of the political messaging of that and the just to share what's going to happen on the ground to people of that is bonkers. And they seem to have this fantasy notion of Singapore on Thames. It's just not in touch with reality at all. No, I, I, I agree entirely. And even if you kind of delve into some of the uh, other kind of like policy things that were announced, uh, like around stamp duty or investment zones, it's either fiddling around the edges where it's not actually going to make that much of a difference, or it's reheating ideas that were basically scrapped previously because they weren't effective. Like the investment zones is basically, was it the enterprise zones under Osborne, I think it was, um, was what they were called. Um, they got scrapped and now they're probably coming back again in some in, in some capacity the conservatives uh, seem to have one idea and one idea only or two ideas i suppose it's fair to say one cut taxes two cut regulations and just see if that somehow leads to growth classic trickle down economics problem is as you said we've got 40 years of evidence that suggests that doesn't actually work i think the other things that's interesting to watch is going to be these blue on blue attacks because they've started very very early in a new administration and we all know that boris johnson is very good at playing the prince across the water yeah and uh, i i think fundamentally that is uh, the political issue um that this trust is going to be going to be facing as you say blue on blue violence has already begun and that is incredibly early but with that um, tantalising prospect of the continuing psychodrama of the uh, Conservative Party's uh, leadership elections and ongoing collapse into insanity, it feels like at times, um, we are going to leave it there. 
So, uh, LJ, thank you uh, very much for uh, stepping in at short notice for uh, Corey uh, not being able to be here. Yeah, you're very welcome. Always happy. Cool. And uh, where should uh, should people find you online? Yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter at LJDLabour. Well, uh, my name is Steve Haynes. You can find me online at Acoustic Radical. You can follow us uh, on um, Twitter on at no Champagne Pog, facebook.com slash not enough champagne. You can head over to our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash not enough champagne, where for a few pounds every month, you can gain access to unique episodes, early access to, to things that we put out. Uh, yeah, all fun and games. Things are about to get very interesting, listeners. So, uh Buckle up and uh, talk to you soon. Welcome to the end times.